Oh, yeah! Ladies and gentlemen! Are you ready for your moment of bliss? Because what Poppy wants, Poppy gets. Yowie wowie! I don't even know if that's PG! <laughs> Acknowledge me! Hello and welcome to the show. On this episode, we're going to give you the bottom line of Monday Night Raw, October 17th, 2022. You're listening to the Cream of the Cop Wrestling Podcast. We are your ultimate maniacs of the program. We are your hosts. I'm Patrick. And I'm Rob. And please acknowledge Kingdom of the Madness by like, sharing, and subscribing. Pat, dude, we had ourselves a show tonight. It started off with a bang. Man, we had a crazy show. And just like last Friday on SmackDown, we started off with a car wreck nonetheless. If you could give us one word... What could what would you give us to describe this show? It was a reset tonight. I feel like it was a start anew, so I'm going to go reset. Reset, I like that word. Well, tonight was definitely a game changer because, like SmackDown, had started with a car wreck. Tonight on Monday Night Raw started with one of its own because the show started with Bobby Lashley wasting no time at all to call out Brock Lesnar. Brock came down to, to the ring, and these two big rigs of men collided. It ended with the Almighty putting the Beast through the announcer's table. Half the locker room had came out to separate them. I love some of these reactions that these superstars had on their faces. Akira Tozawa had me rolling. Rob, I hope you were wearing your seatbelt for this one. What did you think about it? Uh, I always enjoy it. I especially love an episode that starts and you don't see the pyro. You don't see anything like that. You just see Bobby Lashley already in the ring like almost done with his promo so like it just kind of gives like a holy crap what's going on right now um then brock comes out who was heavily advertised for the show uh which was excellent you got to get him out early so he can be on his private jet and on his way back home before 9 30 uh and then on top of it uh just two big bulls i love when they just go out there and have a big pull apart brawl where all the mid card and jobbers come out there to separate them along with the guys you know the suits come out there as well um but I do want to make one big plead to WWE. Can we stop with the spear spot through the barricade where the timekeeper's at? Like, I've seen <laughs> that spot so many times. Like, I'm just I'm just done with it for now. Like, just, I'm over well, it right now. You could probably definitely expect to see it at Crown Jewel. Because that yeah, is I definitely, know, that's a spot that both those men love to do. I know they do, and I'm. Well, I mean, I know it's going to happen. And the poor Barry, the barricade. He's just been, according to Simon that. Miller, that's his name, and he's been getting no, the crap beat out of him in the last yeah, few shout weeks. Shout out to Simon, thank you. <laughs> uh, I do want to say though, like I am very excited for when this match happens because so they fought um, at the Rumble. Was it this last year or the year before? Oh, I believe it. It was this last year, wasn't it? Okay, I, I want to say yes, but like it was more storyline driven because Heyman was on Lesnar's side and on Roman's side, kind of. 
and then all of a sudden Heyman turned on Lesnar. See, that's why. Sure to... That's why I'm also interested in this matchup for the, especially for Crown Jewel. You know, this is a great yes. match for the Crown Jewel, especially since like we've had some questionable matches that they try to pull out of the hat mm-hmm. for for Saudi Arabia, which is fine. I mean, I can live with it. But I've what I'm trying to say is, uh. Like you said, it was more story-driven to the point it was focusing on Lesnar and Roman last time. So it was, to me, it's like Bobby and Brock haven't had a real match together. Because we've had a screw, we have had a screwy finish in them every time these guys get involved together. So I think it's because they're, they both have had other things going on. So this is going to be a good chance for them to finally bang it out. Yeah, no, I'm very excited about it. Lashley's been asking for this, honestly, since yeah, he's I was back. I was uh, going <laughs> to say that, too. I believe this is actually, like, this is a match that Bobby has always said he's wanted to have. And I'll be you real, I, mean? I never he's always like he was at that bro. level until now. Like, until he's had this United States run. Like, he could have maybe had it when he went with uh, had that MVP run in the Hurt Business. But I think he's a bigger star now and a bigger deal now than he was even there. So I think this is the right time for it. So I like it a lot. Well, I, I love this, like, the last few couple, like, the last year and a half that we've had with uh, Bobby Lashley. Like, this, like, since he's became the almighty, he has been on that level for me. And I absolutely love it. You mean it's better than uh, his three sisters that Sami Zayn was making fun of? Oh, yeah. Did you know that one of his <laughs> sisters was actually Max Caster? Oh, really? In disguise? Yeah, from AEW. No, Max Ca- yeah, Max Caster was no, one of the sisters. That. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Stupid. Wonderful stuff. Those poor AEW guys getting getting WWE work, but it's like extra work. Oh, man. I know they appreciate the work, and I would, too. Got to get on the camera, man. I think, what was it, MJF got to be security for Goldberg? Was it Goldberg? Oh, yeah, dude, and Ciampa, Ciampa was a thing, like a security or like a lawyer or something, like back in like 07 or 05 or something for like The Undertaker on someone. So, yeah, it's great to see like yeah. young talent like that in a position and then there's, see what they get to, like the level that they clip, get to. There's a wonderful clip of, it is... DX from like 09, like whenever they were the really crappy DX, maybe it was, I don't remember what year, but like uh, Shawn Michaels was just super kicking random people backstage, and oh, one yes, of them happens yes. to be Shawn Spears. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, I love that. I love that uh, <laughs> moment right there. Yeah, he's like, I yeah. just kick, I just kick Stan! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, Alright, anyway, uh, moving on. on. <laughs> Alright, well let's talk about the first matchup we had, because this was the re-debut of the OC, and they're definitely driving that home, that we know that this is the OC. Uh, And it was Gallows and Anderson versus Alpha Academy. So this match started off like I expected. I had big expectations for this match, and I think it definitely delivered, because right from the get-out, we had Carl and Gable go at it. I think uh, Gallows in this match looked great. They ended up, uh, the Good Brothers ended up getting the win with the Magic Killer on Gable. I'm sorry that he had to take the pin. But this was the first match for the OC back in WWE. 
since uh, their last release, and I hate to see the Elf Academy go down, but I'm glad to see the OC. So, what do you think about this? Uh, I'm kind of like, glad to see the OC again. I actually was not very excited for them last week when they showed up, but for some reason this week with them having a match, I was I was I was excited to see what they had to do, and I really missed the Luke Gallows clubber Lang punches in the corner. So when I saw those again that he pulled off on Otis, like I love that. I love his punches in the corner so much. Uh, but uh, yeah, I want to talk more about the Alpha Academy for a second. I love them, but man. Something needs to be done, whether I, I understand that they can work with anyone, they're going to put on a good match, and they're just, they're going to be the good workers who can put on a good match and take a loss and nothing's going to happen to them. But I, they're both a little more talented than where they are on the card. And so I don't know if like, whenever they do a redraft and maybe move them to SmackDown and see what happens, or maybe they just need to add another member to kind of beef it up a bit. I don't know, but I'm just kind of... I'm all for another member. I think another member would be great, and I think Austin Theory is the perfect candidate. Something, man. Maybe even go away for a little bit. I don't know, but I just... I think they're both so talented and deserve a little bit better. Like They're on TV. They're getting a lot of time like that, and I know that's the important part. But, man, I I just kind of want to see them get some wins. Like, in... I don't know. I, I I just want to see a little bit more wins out of them, I guess. I mean, we've seen these last few matches we've seen the Alpha Academy had. We've the since Otis versus Strowman, uh Gable versus Strowman. We had Gable versus Rey Mysterio. I mean, we've had a lot of good matches from the Alpha Academy here lately. And I mean, they always end up on the short end of the stick. And I mean that, but that this is what's got get get me to root for him like a little bit more now. Okay, so I don't so know I if this is a WWE strategy. Like, do they want us? Are are we looking at a face turn? Maybe I eventually. I'm wondering. This is going to be a little bit more insider as opposed to watching TV. I am wondering. So, in the mid to late '80s and even like the early '90s, Bret Hart was the barometer for a lot of talent. Where he would go out there, have a match with someone, get beat. And then Brett would come back and say, no, these guys are great. They can work. They're going to do well. And you can like really put, bring something out of them. Through the early to mid-90s, through the early 2000s, Sean Waltman was that guy. And he said backstage they would put him against Sean Waltman. Waltman would take the pin. Um, but then Waltman would go back there and say, yeah, this guy's great. Or no, this guy doesn't have it yet. Is Gable becoming that dude? The measuring stick. Oh, man, I don't want him to be that dude. He's got so much more talent than that. He does. I believe uh, I believe he would make great for a intercontinental champion. Yes. I think he would or a US champion, either or. And then even Otis. Um I did enjoy Otis's character before the Alpha Academy, and I'll be honest, when he did first join the Academy, I didn't like the change. But it's grown on me. Like, we're starting to see the actual, like, Otis character come out a little bit more. Yep. You know? And, I mean, whatever he's working, or, you know, going to turn into or continue with, like, I'm all for it now. Dude, the heavy machinery could have easily been the modern-day Bushwhackers. Oh, yeah. Ugh, such a failed opportunity, but, yeah, no, I'm with you. I like where he's at now, but that was such a failed opportunity. All right, well, let's, uh talk about our next segment here 
Because the Judgment Day come out right after the match. And Balor from the get-go says it's the same old crap every time with these guys. Too sweet, too sweet, you know. He's, the club hasn't changed. And then he, Balor mentions that he started this stupid club. And he challenges the OC to a match at Crown Jewel. AJ Styles accepts. He says he wants to have the match right now. I don't know why they want to wait. And Finn Balor, or AJ basically insults them, asking them if they need to ask permission from their mommy, being Rhea Ripley. And Finn Balor starts to speak up before Dominic interrupts him, and he cuts him off. And AJ calls Dom a piece of trash, says Dominic is nothing but a punk, and AJ challenges Dom to a match. Dom accepts, says he's not ready yet, so it'll be later on tonight. AJ says he's going to do what his dad should have done and beat the piss out of Dom. And that'll just be too sweet. What do you think about this? It's a good little segment there. Uh, two things I noted. Uh, Dominic's getting a little bit more confident on the mic. I like to see that. I wanted to keep going, but I still love how he is under the thumb of Rhea. Like, he still needed Rhea's encouragement to to go ahead and have that match. So I love that little bit there. Um, one of my favorite things is Balor. Like, I, I always thought Balor as a heel came across a little cheesy on the mic. It's kind of a little forced, and I think he's also getting better and better every week at that. Um, and then I have a question for you, good sir. Who has a better heel laugh? Is it Damian Priest or Seth Rollins? Oh, a b- better heel? Uh, it's going to be the Rollins laugh for me. You think so, man? But he laughed. He laughed a lot tonight. But yeah, no, I love. When but I will give like, you. I will give you this about Priest. Anytime he cuts a promo in the ring with the judgment day. Oh, and he, he demands the attention from the room with that voice. I love it. I love it's that low voice. Yeah. I'm going to try and mimic it here and I'm not going to be able to, but man, his laugh is like, ha 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 ha. Like it's like, Oh, so, so low. (laughs) Like it's amazing. Please, please edit that out. No, leave it in, but edit it out. (laughs) Yeah. It's so he's, he seems, he's just as animated as Seth, but yeah, I, I do enjoy it. Um, and then um, I loved AJ's line about saying uh, doing the one thing his daddy should have done by beating the piss out of him. I thought AJ has uh, definitely come into his own when it comes to to uh, the mic skills as well lately. Um, he's always been fine at best, sometimes a little corny, sometimes over the top. But I thought lately, especially the last two weeks, I'm like, dude, you've uh, shown some some real range here, some real work. So, I, But I mean, I, I wonder if it has a lot to do with not being scripted anymore like now they get a little bit more free reign like i mean i'm sure they got not really scripts but more like uh bullet points and i wonder if aj is just more comfortable that way uh, i love how dominic's becoming more comfortable he is dude oh yes yeah. definitely definitely de- more improvement every week let's move on because the next thing to happen was a promo seth rollins came down to a ring to the ring and he started started to cut a promo here. He said he's the visionary, he's the revolutionary, and he's the United States champion. He tells the doubters to kiss his red behind, and he asks his followers to sing his song. Tonight's the first offense in the most legendary U.S. championship run of all time. 
and it, he's mentioning his match against Matt Riddle in the main event later on. But he is all of a sudden interrupted by Mustafa Ali. Ali comes out and says he was promised a championship opportunity. That he was next in line by the former champion Bobby Lashley. Rollins says he is not Bobby Lashley. That Mustafa needs to get to the back of the line. But Mustafa says he's going to be Seth's next freaking problem. So Seth, Seth starts to compliment Ali and then sucker punches him. They tussle around for a little bit. He smacks Ali hard into the ring post. And that was that. What do you think about this? This one was not my favorite. Um, so first of all, we'll start with the most important thing. Seth's suit tonight. Six out of six. Uh, <laughs> not six out of six. Six out of ten. Uh, all, the all red was great. The shoes, though, is what really brought it up. It was the zebra shoes. I really liked those Ooh. a lot. Uh, so otherwise, I was going to say the sunglasses. Like, sunglasses were okay. It was very, it, it was very. Big it looked time like he cut. Yeah, I was going to say it looked like he borrowed them from Becky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but six out of ten, it wasn't too bad. Um, so I thought the Rollins promo was a standard Rollins promo. Um, a little bit cheesy, a lot of laughter. Uh, one thing he did say that I enjoyed was saying that he tapped out for the crowd so that they could have the match the next night for Bobby Lashley. That was a nice little touch there. I really enjoyed that. Uh, my confusion is I don't know is Mustafa a heel or a face? Hmm. Uh, we'll, we will get to that because I can answer that question later on for sure. Like, like it, not... we, we see we see the result. We see the, the answer to your question comes up in a segment. But yes, I believe to the start here, from since we've seen Mustafa uh, from the last time that he interacted with Bobby Lashley, I believe he's been very, if not, I think if if not heel or face, you know, it, you could say he's leaning more towards heel here lately. Yeah, and I I would say too, like, um, I mean. Either way, I'm not mad. Like, he's a guy I feel like you can go back and forth if you want to be a healer face. Because I'm, And the reason I'm not mad is because if you're telling me we're going to get a 20-minute Rollins-Mustafa Ali match down the road, yeah, count me in. By all means, count me in on that. I think uh, so, but Mustafa's I, definitely somebody who deserves... Like, he's like he was going to be the guy that was the, before uh, Kofi Kingston happened. Here's the only thing, the other thing that I'm we're, we're trying to figure out. Ali said he was next in line. Didn't he just lose like three weeks ago to Bobby Lashley? Like he tapped out? Uh, and then Seth I, came out and stomped him all after the match? You know, Miss Betty didn't put that in my notes. so Okay, no worries. Uh, but yeah, I feel like he challenged Bobby to a match like maybe three weeks to a month ago. They had a match for the title. And then Bobby beat him and made him pass out, I want to say, to the Hurt Lock. And... So now I'm trying to figure out why he thinks he is uh next in line. <laughs> so yeah, I I was under the I was I thought we had I thought him coming up to Bobby a week ago was the first time we've seen Mustafa in a, in a minute. At least seeing him be put into a prominent spotlight spot. I uh, so they had that match about four weeks ago, so other than that I have no idea. But no, otherwise it was a good promo and they can tell me they're gonna have a match later, I'm all in. Well, let's move on, because we jump right into our next match, which is Damage Control, Dakota Kai and Io Sky versus Bianca Belair and Candice LeRae. 
Bailey joins on commentary and is it's very funny to me that she's nice to every commentator except Michael Cole. But during this whole match, they isolate Candice LeRae. Bianca ends up getting a hot tag and eventually gets knocked out of the ring. Candice on the comeback is def- is then distracted by Bailey when she goes for a kendo stick. Bianca stops her, but it was just the distraction damage control needed. They hit a tag finisher for the pin, and I say tag finisher because evidently it doesn't have a name. And I can't even describe what kind of move it was. Um, this match for me, this is going to be my near fall of the night. I don't want to say it, but this was, I don't understand what they're really shooting for here. Time. I mean, just to continue the, or not Dakota, but just to continue the uh, Bailey and Bianca thing without them actually touching each other. Um, and then you add on top of it that I was I will say the only good thing about this is it was nice to see t- any sort of champion win in a non-title match. Usually in WWE, they always lose those matches. It was nice to see a champion in a non-title match get a victory. Oh, I know there's people out there that don't really like the damage control angle that's been going on and they don't, but it's not going to go away. We have to deal with it. But, and I've been, you know, and that's one thing I always thought from the beginning was that Dakota and EO did work well together in the ring, at least. But this time I definitely noticed that there was, they were out of sync and I get that this was probably a match for Candice LeRae getting a, getting the rub a little bit here. I believe this is what the third week we, you know, she's, you know, she's been back. So, but yeah, this was, man, I hate to say it, but it was, it wasn't the best match for me. It was a very ho-hum. It's the the word that kind of came to mind, just ho-hum. Man. Uh, Any other words about it? No, we can move on. All right. Because, well, the next thing that happened was backstage, Kathy Kelly stops Riddle for his response to uh, Seth Rollins. Riddle compares Seth to a cheap hoverboard that overheats. Riddle stops Mustafa Ali, who's walking by, and tells him he'll give him his chance at the U.S. title if he beats Rollins later. And this answers your question to earlier if Mustafa's a healer face. Right here is when I would expect maybe uh, if Mustafa was going to be full-blown heel for him to have t- attacked Riddle. Like, you know, for overstepping his bounds a little bit maybe. Because he even had that look on his face before he said, you'd do that for me? And then out of nowhere, you hear a scream yelling, Ow, my knee! My knee! Rollins and Mustafa walk around the corner to find that The Miz is on the ground next to a tipped-over mop bucket and a a puddle of water. Miz is complaining that he's shattered, if not torn his ACL at the very least. He's obviously trying to avoid the upcoming match against Dexter Lumez. What do you think about this? I love it. It's mostly because not only was the Miz laying there and how fake it was, but add on top of it, the language he was using was like very um, over-the-top words to describe what happened, <laughs> which made it even more comical to me. 
Well, it's, so. it's, that, it's that cheesy actor like in him. He's yes. such a good actor that he knows that. Yeah, I love it. I, I enjoyed it yeah. so much as too. There's, like, what are you gonna say about it, dude? The Miz is the Miz is the Miz, and it does not matter what you give him. He's somehow going to make it at least moderately entertaining and somewhat over. And I, he's great. Like I used to hate that guy so much, and he, in the last five years, has made me respect him so much. He is definitely, to me, in my top five hardest workers in WWE yes. right now. Yes. So, no, it was it was fun. I liked it. And um, it start. is it here or is it later that uh, Gargano shows up? Later on. All right, we'll talk about that later then. Yeah, while The Miz gets checked out in medical, we'll move on to our next segment because Cora Jade from NXT walks into the locker room, the Judgment Day's locker room, and needs to talk to Rhea Ripley. The rest of the Judgment Day kind of step away to let Rhea handle this on her own. Cora informs her that Pick Your Poison is coming up on Tuesday's NXT. And since Roxanne chose Raquel Rodriguez, Cora Jade picks Rhea Ripley. Rhea accepts on behalf that Cora and Roxy used to be tag team partners because so did Rhea and Raquel. What do you think about that? Uh, actually, I like this for more reasons than one. One, of course, it's just a nice way to plug in your NXT show that's happening tomorrow night. Uh, but two, I actually think it's good for Rhea because Rhea has a feud going on with Beth Phoenix right now, who you're only going to see one time whenever it finally happens for that mixed tag match. Otherwise, Rhea's not been in any matches. So this is definitely a good way to put her on TV in a match just to kind of get warmed up. You're not going to be in front of, you know, 1.5 or a million or 2 million people like on Raw. It's going to be, you know, 600,000 people in a small 300 people venue. But, like, she's not really been on TV in matches lately, so this is a good way to get her back on TV again, just to have a nice little nice little one-off match. So I, I really enjoyed it. I believe it's her first match in weeks, if not months. Yeah, like, honestly, yeah, she's just been a character on TV and really hasn't had any matches yet, which I'm excited when she finally does. But, I mean, she's been so good as a character, she hasn't needed to be in matches. Well, speaking of characters on tv and great characters <laughs> your on favorite TV. we got <laughs> one of the best characters making his return none other than the jbl comes to the ring comes down to cut a promo he ribs on oklahoma for man it felt like 20 minutes <laughs> yeah he went on for a while on that one hello he spoke how ray mysterio has left monday night raw and has been traded for the greatest WWE superstar as of today, Baron Corbin. JBL Mr. says Baron Corbin. Oh yeah, he did call him Mr. Baron Corbin. Yes. JBL says he asked for competition for Corbin. And Dolph Ziggler is who they gave him. Dolph is a former world champion. But JBL goes on to say that if Dolph had been in the Attitude Era. He wouldn't have made the cut. He says, Corbin is the new modern day wrestling god. 
that's when we get the Dolph Ziggler versus Baron Corbin match. And man, uh, first thing I'll have to say about this match is Corbin looked in great shape. Uh, he looked in phenomenal shape here. He's back to normal clothes. He's got his first name back. He's not happy anymore. He is Baron, but he's still got the same theme as he did with Happy Corbin, which I enjoy the happy character. Do not, the happy name can stay, can stay away. That's fine. Man, but this match was a good showing for uh, Baron Corbin and Dolph Ziggler going back and forth. It was kind of, you know, evenly matched throughout the entire thing. Dolph was pretty close to winning the match before Corbin hits him with an end of days out of nowhere. And, I mean, first thing I have to say about this in general is where has Dolph Ziggler been? Ziggler is, I mean, essentially, Rude's been gone, so his dirty dog teammate's been out. Uh, but B, I think Ziggler is going to fall into that, I told you that, kind of that Gable role, too, man, where he's just going to be a guy to go out there, give someone a good 15, 20-minute match, but you're never going to win. I hate and that, because I just, loved his stuff in NXT. Yeah, I know that, man, but, like, it's not 2012 anymore, and I'm okay with that. Like, we can all move on. Ziggler had his chance. Ziggler had the... He had a chance again, I want to say it was in 2016 to be the dude, and didn't quite get there either, so I'm kind of just, I'm good with it. Uh, I actually kind of wish it was a little bit more of a squash match. You're reintroducing Corbin, you obviously want to make Corbin kind of a mid-upper mid card heel. I thought he probably should have beat Dolphin more like seven minutes and not really had as many near falls. Um, I'm with you on the Happy Corbin music, I kind of wish it would be something a little different. I don't know if you want to go back to the to the lone wolf music or if you just wanted to pick something oh, no, no, different. No, no. I like I like the Happy Corbin stuff. I just didn't like the actual Happy Corbin name and just how over the yeah, top yeah, it was. No, but, no, it was. It was, but I think uh if you're going to introduce him as a new character again, bring some different music or bring back the old lone wolf music, something. Just bring something back. Um and also I I agree with you. He looked great. He looked in better shape. He was moving what? really good out there. And what do you think of, about what do you think about him uh, being paired with JBL and more or less being I, I think he's being presented as the a, a JBL character when we saw the reemergence of JBL after he became the tycoon. I am on a wait and see right now, and that's because I want to see is JBL in it for the long haul on TV to be with him, or is JBL just introducing him and then moving on? Tell you what, I didn't miss JBL on commentary. No, I didn't miss that either. Uh, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully, Michael wasn't there, so it, like, thankfully Michael Cole was there, so he got Michael <laughs> over and over kept, and over again. He kept calling <laughs> Kevin Patrick Shamrock the whole time. Like, poor guy, <laughs> like, just because he's uh, Irish, like good grief. I have a question though for you: like, is the end of days a top five finishing move? You know. I would say it's definitely, I wouldn't say top five. I would say it's definitely one of those moves to where it's, it looks like it's, he's capable of doing it to anybody. Okay. You know, despite the size, it looks like one of those moves that you could hit on anybody, despite their size, big or small. Um, it looks, it looks very well done to where it looks, it looks impactful. It looks like it's a, it looks like a finishing move. I'm glad. That they definitely, he pulled it out and they 
that was the feature because you know you're thinking well is this a you know this is a repackaging of baron corbin what is some pieces of baron corbin of the old baron corbin that we still have in the end of days obviously that's that's still his finishing move because i it is it's a great finisher because i and here's how i feel about corbin he used to annoy me but now he's getting to the point of is he I feel like he's a dude five to ten years from now that we're going to see him as the Miz. He's not going to be over the top and cheesy, but you can put him against any face, and they're going to A, get that dude cheered, B, get that dude over, and C, just make it work. And I feel like Corbin's on that trajectory. I believe Corbin belongs into that category of people that are hard workers in the business, Mm -hmm. like the Miz and like Sami Zayn, like Kevin Owens, who they're a guy that you can give anything to, Despite how ridiculous or outlandish it may be, but they give it their all and they make it work. Especially, especially Corbin. Corbin's, uh, especially, uh, he was, he was feared in when he was NXT, but ever since the main roster, you know, he it becomes, he ends up becoming the end of the joke. It was ever since, honestly, that loss to Cena at SummerSlam in like 2017. It was because Cena Mess- treated it like a joke, like it wasn't that big of a deal, and it just kind of deflated him. Messing um, up so, his Money in the Bank run and stuff yeah, like that. Like yeah, like all that. Um, can I say something about Ziggler real fast? I would love to see Ziggler just do a full-time run in NXT. Mm. You're not wrong. I believe if you wanted to make him a transitional champion until you got, if you wanted to bring up uh, Braun Breaker, yep, and put somebody in that champion spot to hold that title until you had a uh, another star from uh, in NXT to beat Dolph Ziggler, I think that'd be the way to go. Yep. You know, and I think that was a missed opportunity that they had. Even though Braun may not, you know, be ready, but still, you know, you know he's coming before in the next year or so. But yeah, definitely. I think that's definitely something we're going to see more often here too. Is uh, bigger or older talent going down to NXT to work, and I think that's great. But moving on. All right, we cut to backstage, and Byron Saxton is talking to the Miz, who is in medical, seeking medical attention to his knee, where he messed it up, slipping on the wet spot that he blames on custodians. Saxton asked Miz if he thinks he'll still be able to compete against Dexter later tonight, and then he informs the Miz that several custodial staff members have come forward to say that they seen the Miz tipping over the bucket himself, getting the bucket out himself and everything, and then laying down in the puddle. He didn't even actually slip. And then he also tells the Miz that custodial records were also checked and the floor hasn't even been mopped since the night before. But then through the doorway, Johnny Gargano screams, Oh my god, it's Dexter Loomis! And the Miz instantly hops to his feet. No hurt knee. Nothing. 
He was afraid that Dexter Lumez was nearby, but Gargano obviously trying to trick him up. What do you think about this? Uh, again, Miz being awesome. B, I love how there's custodial records to show when the floor was mopped, which makes me happy. <laughs> Don't know why. <laughs> um, but see, this to me, I actually feel like is the start of something long term that I think we as fans are going to enjoy immensely. Uh, so one thing we haven't seen in a while since he got pulled under the ring is we haven't seen Champa. So I, this is me just hoping and dreaming because I love them so much. If you're telling me we're going to start after this Loomis thing, a Miz Gargano feud, which is going to finally lead to Champa turning on Miz to join and reunite DIY. Oh my gosh. Like I will, it will just make my day like no one's business. (laughs) Definitely, I I think Johnny Wrestling is like I don't know his segments backstage here these past few weeks they crack me up so bad. He's they are so sarcastic. He is he is a funny person, and I'm enjoying every m- moment of it. Um, another thing is that I really like here is Byron Saxton. It, it gives me nostalgic vibes of having Jonathan Coachman backstage, you know, kind of like just that goofy uh, ca- uh, character who's the, who does the, the promos and the interviews with the superstars that gets, you know, kind of gets ribbed on a little bit, but it definitely has a, a comedic style and Byron has a, one on his own, not just, you know, comparing to Jonathan Coachman. So, but yeah, I, I like Byron's accident backstage in this segment here, and yeah, I think he's, he's the cherry on top in this, besides Gargano. Yep, nope, uh, two thumbs way up for me on this one. Well, our next thing was another promo we got from MVP with almost, and it was just a quick little announcement where MVP says that they're going to be on SmackDown this Friday, and they're going to go face-to-face with Strowman. Quote here from MVP was Monsters aren't real, but giants are. Um, what do you think about this uh, almost Braun Strowman feud ramping up a little bit? Uh, I like it. I'm glad that it's at Crown Jewel because I think the crowd at Crown Jewel are going to appreciate it way more than an American crowd here would um, at some random, you know, live event. So, uh, Definitely, definitely think that that's a good, good plan on Triple H's part. Um, and then secondly, a uh, very long, awkward shot on almost just punching his, uh, or like using his fist to punch his hand over and over and over again to show how tough he was. They did it like four or five times and just stood there for a while. And I was like, <laughs> I was like is someone yell cut? Like, I don't know. Um but yeah, no, I, I don't think... Have we seen them stand actually side-by-side side yet or face-to-face? Face, or have they just been kind of at a distance? At a distance. See, this is... Yeah, okay. So, so, so face we got to get that face, shot in. Yeah, we're going to get the actual see the first comparison. Okay. Yeah, no, we're going to get that shot in. But yeah, I think, the, I think the most clever thing of it all is having it at Crown Jewel because that crowd is going to be immersed in those two monsters facing off each other more than any other American or Canadian crowd would be. Well, let's talk about, uh, well, real quick, before we move on to our next match, we had Cameron Grimes asking the OC 
to be his tag team partners for NXT. Uh, the OC being kind of what would you say mercenaries here? Mercenaries, yeah, yeah they, you know, they, they work for cash, man. They work for cash, and Cameron Grimes is definitely he's got a lot of cryptocurrency, but I'm sure he could ca- turn it into paper. Uh, I love this little bit. I like Cameron Grimes and the OC being on. NXT, I I don't think AJ Styles will be with them, but Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows on NXT, I'm I'm for it. What do you what do you think, dude? I'm I am all in on that, and the idea of like I love Cameron Grimes. He is a dude that I think once he finally gets up on the main roster, he is going to get himself over so quick, almost in the same vein as Sami Zayn. Oh, he's going to the moon. He is to the moon, man. So, he yeah, is no, it'll be to fun. the moon. I love it. But, yeah. uh, I like Cameron Grimes. Back to what Grimes. we said earlier, it's a way to get the main roster guys on to, to get a um, good uh, rating boost as they're going to go against AEW. So uh, I like it. Well, let's talk about this next match because this was set up earlier in the night and it's AJ Styles versus Dominic Mysterio. Man, this match from the get-go... AJ just wears Dominic out, and they go back and forth for a little bit. Rhea, with the distraction, allows Dominic to turn it around, and they go back and forth, but Dominic is still just no match for AJ. Judgment Day kept messing around outside the ring, causing distractions, and then Dominic ends up getting the roll-up win. What do you think about this? I loved everything until the roll-up pin, man. Like, the roll-up pin of Doom. Like, I, I would be more happy if they wanted to do a distraction finish where it turned into just a chair shot, maybe, or just either Priest comes in and hits his finisher or maybe a 1916 from Balor or something like that. So, um, all of it was great. I loved Styles taking control of the majority of the match and really beating the piss out of uh, Dominic, kind of showing that, uh, you know, almost kind of like a, hey, kid, I've been doing this way longer than you. Time to take a lesson kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but on top of that, yeah, just I didn't care for the finish. Um, I I know you got to get Dominic some wins. You got to make him look a little bit more credible. Uh, but I would definitely prefer the the I'm trying to think the uh distraction wins come more from either either a chair shot or just something a little bit more impactful because I I just don't buy the roll up pins ever anymore. See, that's why I really wish we'd see some more surprise pins. You know, because you always see the near fall. Right? You see near fall after near fall in a WWE match. I want to see a near fall actually have, actually be the fall. Dude, when has Sami Zayn ever won with a blue thunderbomb? That's what I'm saying. Like, they don't... <laughs> like, if they, I understand, you know, it's... It's definitely a formula, and I mean we're no we're no experts on that formula, but if they would make it to where you d- like you can win, and there's got to be a thousand different ways to to win without having to hit your finisher. So okay, so I'm gonna go all history nerd on you here. So the first pay per view King of the Ring uh, was in '93. So they've had King of the Rings before that, but the first one they ever did on pay per view was in '93. And they had the whole tournament in one night. So Bret Hart, who won the tournament, had three matches that night. And he prided himself on winning all three matches in three different ways and never used his finisher. 
Well, it's like uh, the Ricky Steamboat Randy Savage match. Exactly. Rest, uh, the, uh, the match for the Intercontinental Championship. Yep. yep. You, you, that there was uh, several moments to where the match could have ended, and it you it would have been fine. But you know what I'm. That's what I'm saying is. Yeah. It, or or um, when you're gonna do like a distraction roll up finish. The way that uh, Jay Uso and Sami Zayn did it last week, I loved. Uh, with the the roll up package, and then all of a sudden Jimmy just or Jay I, going I, I, with the baseball slide, kicking it over. I loved that. That was great. I'm with you too. I'm with you. I love a roll up win every now and then, but I don't want it once a week. Yeah, as I say, let's get, let's get a little bit more creative. We can do we can do better. We can do yeah, better. WWE as 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 somebody that we both know. Would say lazy booking. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about our next segment because it was backstage and it's the continuation of Johnny Gargano. He stops the Miz, who is warming up for his match now against Dexter Lumez. And Johnny. Tells the Miz that he knows the real story of what happened between them two. And if the Miz wants out of this match, all he has to do is tell the truth. What do you what do you think Gargano is alluring to here? What do you what does he know? I I genuinely don't know. Like I'm genuinely curious on this one. Like because at first I'm like, oh, about him falling and stuff. But I'm like, no, we've already debunked that. So what this are you is talking about? this is a whole new a whole new twist in the story. Like I knew it was always it was it's never been revealed what happened when the Miz first got taken. Okay, and he, uh, and that's kind of been the ongoing joke here. Is you know with the Miz doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't even want to talk, say his name. So, for but adding Gargano as this conspiratist now, or this blackmailer, if you will, to this equation is definitely like intrigued me even more. Now I want to definitely know what happened. You got to tell us. So I hope we find out soon. Because, well, we know we're not going to find out anytime soon. Because this leads right into the match where it's Dexter versus The Miz. But before Dexter could even get to the ring, The Miz slaps him with the chair. The match doesn't even doesn't even happen. What do you think about this? What do you think about them more or less dragging this out a little bit more? And where do you think this is going to end up at? Do you think uh, it's not um, going to be Crown Jewel? No, it won't be Crown Jewel. I think we're going to have it either next week or the week after. Um, I am okay going out one more week or maybe two more weeks. Other than that, I'm kind of done with it. Um, I think they wanted to hold off a little bit because they did have a big main event set up already with the return of Elias coming and then also... Uh, the uh, main event being between Riddle and Rollins for the title. So I think they're trying to hold it off just for a little bit um, and kind of give it that little bit of a false finish uh, and then plan it for a week or two from now. 
And it also gives the Miz the first time having an upper hand on Loomis. Like, Loomis has gotten the best of him and frightened him the entire time, so this is a chance. This was the first time Miz, before getting in the match with him, actually got his only upper hand ever. So I think that was a nice little touch. The best line here was on commentary from Corey Graves, because right as the Miz hits Dexter with the chair, and it shows like it's the Miz hitting Dexter, you hear Graves on commentary go, Oh, he's so brave! Or how brave! (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. I love it so much. Well, we're definitely going to end up finding out the conclusion of this sometime soon because it's ramping up hard because the next thing to happen is Johnny Gargano stops the Miz backstage, tells him that was a bad move, that he should just give Dexter what he promised him. What's the worst that could happen to the Miz? He get canceled? He lose his house? Johnny and Candace take over Miz and Mrs.? <laughs> And Johnny's wearing a whistle, and Miz asks him, he's like, what is this, that for? And he says, oh, you know what this is. This is a whistle. And if you don't tell the truth, he's going to blow the whistle. What do you think about this? Um, it was what it was, but if you're telling me that like Gargano and Larray and whatever their baby's name is just randomly moves in across the street from... Miz and Maurice on Miz and Mrs. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> like, I'd be all in on that. Like, that'd be so cool. That what a crossover! Oh yeah, definitely. I think that was definitely the uh, the greatest line there, where he's like, "Me and Candace take over Miz and Mrs." Uh, right, right. I just want to like say, like, yeah, like just, I said, just move across the street and just annoy the Miz with all the neighbor antics that you can do, like like, putting, a, uh, like, like gathering up all your leaves and throwing them on Mrs. Lawn. I, I I like actually this is that is one of the reality shows that I, I can actually tolerate watching, and it's more it's more or less just to see like the the behind the scenes stuff of their lives you know and see them deal with their hectic schedules that stuff is interesting to me more than anything on the show. But like I was saying earlier, this was the perfect example of Johnny being just. Like, I don't just unpurposely hilarious. Like, uh, the stuff he says and the, the facial expressions he does, uh, I think, I, I bet you even him wearing the whistle was his idea here. And I, I, I love it. I love Gargano. He's definitely got me rolling. I don't want him to fall into that comedy role, though. I think he'll be okay. He'll be fine. I, I, I think we'll be fine because we haven't seen the 24 7 title anywhere near him so no, no. He will, I, if this is me just dreaming my life away right now but if you're telling me that if rollins can hold on to that u.s title all the way to mania and you're telling me gargano can be slowly built and we're going to a gargano rollins mania match for the u.s title oh buddy speaking of dreams the next thing that happened was definitely a fever dream because we got the return of none other than the musical genius himself, Elias. Elias cuts a promo, says he's glad to be back. He said, he mentions, and this is important because this is the first time we hear this, that Ezekiel's career, Elias's younger brother, was cut short. He didn't mention Kevin Owens. And just as, about, just as Elias is about to play his first song, he is interrupted, of course. It's, I, I'm still going with that. 
And he's interrupted by Matt Riddle with a pair of bongos. Is that is it a pair of bongos? Yeah, because it's one yeah, bongo. So he's got and he yeah. had two. Yeah. Okay. So it's bongo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Okay. But Riddle comes down to the ring. He says he's a huge Elias fan, and you know he it's it's been his dream to play with Elias. And Elias kind of sets him down, you know, he's like, this is my first concert back. Why don't you just sit there quietly and let me play my song? And maybe one day we'll play together. Uh, <laughs> but just before Elias could start singing his song, he's interrupted again by Seth freaking Rollins. And it's time from the Matt Riddle versus Seth Rollins match. But what do you think about this segment real quick? I mean, you passed up Riddle's uh uh I'm trying to think uh joke about weed. He asked uh, Elias, <laughs> "Do you want to hit my bong?" Yeah, he could have there could have been a better line for that. I get it. <laughs> so, uh it was fine. I don't know where i sit on riddle yet because i enjoy riddle when he's serious because he's so good in the ring but then i'm also confused when riddle comes out and kind of has this comedy side to him and i don't know if i should take him seriously or not so i get a little confused on that front and then elias i mean this is just me loving elias's heel character i love that he hates that he sings for the people he has to sing for every week on raw and so I know that he came back, so people are excited to see him back. So he's going to be a baby face for the moment. But God, I can't wait till he just turns on them and hates singing in front of them. Well, this is let's hold on to that thought because we'll get we'll come back around to that. Well, let's talk about the match real quick because it was Matt Riddle versus Seth Rollins in Seth's first U.S. Championship defense match from the bell ring. Riddle jumps and locks the triangle choke on Rollins. Rollins manages to slip out. Riddle had the upper hand most of the match. Seth tries to get Elias to hit him, who is still standing by ringside watching the match for some odd reason. And then Seth super kicks him out of nowhere. Riddle almost has Seth... And almost has the win, but Elias gets in the ring and gets in to get involved because uh, he got super kicked outside the ring. And Seth ends up winning because he hits the stomp on them both. And this this was very confusing to me, but but we'll come back. Like I said, we're coming back around to your thought earlier, but we'll end with the show that. Mustafa ends up running out and chasing Seth into the crowd, and Seth escapes through the crowd. And that's the end of the show. But I think this is important here because, like you said, Elias, of course, is going to make his. It's been a long time since we've seen Elias. Okay. So he is going to have that big pop when he first comes back. So I believe this, this was the setup. He was, he is a baby face. And I believe we're looking at a Riddle-Elias feud. I think that we're going to get a heel turn probably next week. And it's because you've seen it in his expressions. Elias still does not, he he doesn't like 
to be interrupted. And who was the first one to interrupt him? Riddle. So if we're if I think if if not next week, we're definitely we're definitely going to allure to this. Because this is a confrontation here. This is the confrontation. Elias cost Riddle the match. Okay. So we're going to see some sort of outfall, fallout from it. So what do you think is going to happen? I am actually going the opposite of what you're going here. So You think it's going to be Elias and Seth? Uh, not exactly. No? Uh, so I look at Crown Jewel. And I feel like they tried to make this show just a super exciting show for the crowd, even though it is a premium live event. It's more of for the crowd that's there. And there's a little bit of me that thinks it's just going to be four guys that are battling each other week after week. And it'll just end up being a fatal four way at Crown Jewel for the U.S. title. Mm, like, I, interesting. I, I, yeah, I don't I don't see any feuds breaking off from this yet maybe later but i think uh just kind of when i look ahead on this one and you just want to put yourself a really exciting opener i mean i know you got that six-man tag with the uh the oc and um judgment day but i think if you put these guys in a fatal four-way to open the show that crowd is going to be so excited that crowd is going to be so hot um and for me i think that's where that leads Man, that would make it tough. I don't see the title changing hands if that's the outcome. No, you, you don't have to. Yeah, and you could just have Rollins either. Pin, I mean, Rollins can pin any of those three, and it's fine. Like where he's pinned, he's pinned Riddle more than enough throughout all of this. But Elias, you know, we all know Elias is not going to be an upper level person. He's a mid card person at best, and Ali can always take a pin and look good, and we can all move on. You know, there was. Uh always word that uh the recommendation at least for the fanfare was during the Ezekiel stuff that they were going to have uh Aaron Stevens, former Damian Sandow, come back and play Elias. And I don't know why that never came to fruition because I was even watching NWA at the same time during this, and it looked like uh, Sandow was on his way back to WWE and was even preparing to make his exit in NWA, but it just never happened. They, especially with the change in regime in WWE, the Ezekiel character's been ultimately looks like it's been it's been completely axed. We're never gonna see. We're never gonna get Zeke <laughs> up again, and that makes me sad. I like I like what they had going on with that angle, especially with Kevin Owens. And <laughs> if anyone can should be working with Elias, especially on his first run back, it's Owens. You're not wrong. I, I, I don't know where Owens has been on this one, but Kent... <sighs> yeah, I, I would have liked to see a little bit of a better ending of Ezekiel, but I will say, too, a, he grew that beard real quickly. Like Elias it, grew that beard out real. It's real it's fast. been it's been not even it hasn't even been I think a month. <laughs> he grew that thing out quick. Secondly, um, just looking at it is he looks better with the beard, right? Like his face was too weird without one. He's, or were we just too used to it? 
I think it's one of the, it's it's like it's like being a little kid, you know, or a baby that you you always see your dad with a beard and then all of a sudden oh, yeah. all of a sudden you don't see him with the beard and it just look, he looks like a totally different person. Yeah, right? I you're think right. We were just so used to Elias that I mean again, I think it's just like no, that sort of, you know what I mean, that sort of same mindset. I I like it. I'm I'm sad no, I like that we too. won't uh, get zeked up anymore. Uh, I will say um, on what you were saying with the Kevin Owens thing, I think um, Kevin is above that now because I think he's... Here's my reasoning for Kevin Owens being off TV. He is off TV because there is going to be the moment that either the bloodline is turning on Sammy or something happens and that's when Kevin is coming out to save him. And so I think the pop is going to be even bigger if you keep Kevin Owens off TV until that moment. You're not wrong, especially you don't you don't want to have him on every week and because you don't want him to take losses, but you don't want him to be dominant where you don't have a choice but to put him up against Roman. Right. So this is this is the alternative, and it's not. I guess I've mentioned before that I've noticed there is a cycle of superstars now that's happening. We're not seeing the. Ex- I mean, we're definitely seeing the same char- prominent characters being featured, like the Miz, week in week out. But we're seeing a cycle of different characters. Um, uh, we're not seeing Kevin Owens every week. We're not, you know, we're not, well, this week, we, or this, especially this time on Raw, we didn't get any Bloodline stuff. So. Triple H was so good about that in NXT, where he would, especially when he had his biggest stars, when it was Gargano and Aleister Black and Velveteen Dream, Andrade, Mack, and all those guys, he was so good about, just for his regular TV, you would get them once every three weeks. Something like that, maybe. One, I get it, there was way less television, but even then, he made them feel special by, if you had them every week, you weren't going to miss them. You weren't going to feel special when they were on TV. And I think Triple H is doing a good job of that, of trying to keep those guys feeling special. Uh, so when you do see them, especially if you're a person that's uh, paying to go see the show, uh, you know, you're someone that like, holy crap, I got Kevin Owens this week. We haven't seen him in you know a month and a half, but awesome. I was there. They're also being featured at live events if they're not on TV because I believe yeah. even Rhea Ripley had a match over the weekend at a live event, which would be technically her first match in a long time. But, you know, it, uh, and if you know, of course, with the White, White Rabbit stuff being on during live events at first, that this is also something with Triple H that we're going to have to start doing is we're gonna have to start paying attention at these to these live events. Oh yeah, uh, the NXT title changed hands. Was it twice on uh, house shows? I so, knew once yeah, for that... sure when uh, Joe beat Balor, but I don't remember how many if it's happened once or twice. So definitely something to be on the lookout for because that's it happened way more back in the day. You know, early '90s, late '80s. But I think now we're going to definitely see, like, that's something we're going to have to watch. Oh, yeah, for sure. And it's, it's going to be sad because we can't really watch it. So it's up to the people that go to the shows. <laughs> it is, it is. And I think it's a great way to sell those tickets. So, yeah, no, well done. Well done. Well done. But just like the White Rabbit stuff, I mean, I, I was hearing about that 
before there was ever a QR code. It was, you know, they keep playing this weird, this song with this red light at, at house shows. I'm like, hmm. Yeah, it was the uh, Jefferson Airplane, or not Jefferson Airplane, it was Fleetwood Mac song? Uh, yeah, it was Je- uh, Jefferson. Or was it Jefferson Airplane? Yeah. Airplane or Starship, one of the others. One, 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 of, one of them, yeah. But yes. Uh, so... Definitely get some good stuff. Let's talk about some of our favorite moments of the night real quick. Uh, just want to mention that uh, throughout the night, my favorite thing of the night was definitely the Jar- Johnny Gargano and the Miz stuff. That had me that had me rolling. I'm interested in that feud. I want to see Gargano and the Miz go at it. I want to and if we could get if it's Gar- Gargano and Dexter versus. The Miz and Champa, that's even better. So that's definitely my favorite thing about the entire night. Uh, the damage control match versus Bianca and Candice, that's my least favorite thing about the night. Um, just the match in general was hard to... Re- and, I, and I've been enjoying Candice LeRae the last couple of weeks. So I really hate to say this, but this match, this wasn't it for me. Um... The craziest bump of the night, I would have to say, would be the lariat from Baron Corbin to Dolph Ziggler, or that crazy, it was like a reverse suplex that he did to Dolph Ziggler. I couldn't pick between the two of them, but it was definitely during that match you see some the craziest bumps of the night. Showstopper of the night, I would have to say uh, Mustafa Ali. I think Mustafa coming out uh, and being and just you know taking Seth Rollins head on. Um, I had almost forgotten about him challenging Bobby Lashley from that, and that was just last week. So that was the showstopper to me. It was the surprise of the night. Uh, best promo of the night goes to JBL, even though it felt like it was a twenty-minute promo. And then the best match of the night has to go to AJ and Dominic. I would... I'm going to disagree with only a few things. Um, uh, for me, the best part of the night was the opening segment, Lashley and Lesnar. That was great. Loved it. Um, secondly, near fall, I'm actually with you. Uh, dude, it just damage control. And right, right now, that whole thing is just very dead right now there needs to be something to rejuvenate what's going on it just feels very dead feels very blah uh to me right now uh best bump of the night dude i'm going to mustafa ali because no one takes a bump uh on a corner post better than that human being that (laughs) i've almost forgot about that he did he's he was smacked against that ring post i mean and they have that they had that led guard over it but and i think that even adds for even more effect because it's a louder sound well, yeah, dude, and uh, Lesnar uh, picked Lashley up and pushed him into that, and that looked painful as could be as well. Yeah, definitely, so, definitely. But wait, well, go yeah. ahead, tell us. Uh, let's see, your tell us your showstopper. Uh, showstopper of the night uh, for me. Um, I would, I would definitely uh, probably go with the probably the Ziggler Corbin match as much as I wish it was kind of a more of a squash. It was a really, really good match. I mean, I enjoy both of those guys work. I like seeing Corbin back. I think Corbin works hard and always has fun matches. He's just always been an annoying character just because he was on TV so much. 
Um, but he always works hard, so I, I was I was happy with the match. And what about you? who had the best promo of the night? Ooh, I am torn. So I'm I'm with you on the JBL one. He had a really great promo. Um, but man, dude, AJ just put a put a put a vicious lashing on Dominic when he challenged for the yeah. Like I really enjoyed what AJ is doing right now. So I'm gonna go with AJ. All right, what do you think about best match of the night? Uh, best match. I'm gonna stick with uh, the Corbin Ziggler one. I liked it all. Yeah, just just to inform everybody, uh, we don't pick off based off any sort of criteria. We're not looking at oh well, this had the best wrestling, and you know this is this is the six star match of the night. No, it's not. It's not like that. It's just this is you know this is the match that kept us entertained. This is the promo that we thought was the best one, et cetera. You know, it's nothing. And it's not, I want to say too, it's, it's a, we don't have it on a rating system. The only rating system we have it on is, Hey, did you like that? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Cool, man. I'm glad you enjoyed that. Yeah. We don't, we're not looking at this. Oh man, this, this, well, this match had way too many rest holds or this match, you know, it's nothing like that. It's, we, the main criteria we're looking at is did it entertain us? Yep. Did, you know, can we give it can we give it a a Simon Miller thumbs up or a Simon Miller thumbs down kind of situation? You know, that's the way we look at it and um we're all about having difference of opinions. We don't always have to agree on things. And I gave JBL that promo, even though I did not like the beginning of that promo. Um, I was, it's still, by the time he, he was talking about Corbin is when I, I was really drawn in. And like, I liked where it was leading to him. I love this hand, hand down that he's, um, I'm interested in the new Baron Corbin because of JBL for sure. Um, but yeah, definitely exciting stuff. Um, and one thing the show had me excited for too is, uh, and they did a good job on this on SmackDown was make sure I watch NXT. You know what I'm saying? Like that. Yeah. They this is you know this is definitely a time that I've noticed from both SmackDown and Raw that I've garnered an interest in watching the NXT show. Not that I don't have the interest on my own, you know, just them promoting it on Raw or SmackDown and building up a or cro stories crossing over in a way. And I think they did a great job here. Thank you for listening to Cream of the Crop Wrestling. You can embrace the madness by finding us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cream of the crop wrestling. Follow us on Twitter at Cream of the Crop W. Subscribe to our YouTube channel by typing Cream of the Crop Wrestling in the search bar. Have fun with us on TikTok at Cream of the Crop Wrestling. And you can always find full episodes of the podcast wherever podcasts are found. Nothing means nothing. Man. Nothing means nothing. What do you mean by that? More. I'm talking about all the way to the top. Yeah. Unjustifiably in a position that I'd rather not be in. But the cream will rise to the top. Oh, yeah. You know that I'm the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Nobody does it better. Oh, yeah.